I invite you to pray with me. Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort, a word of challenge, a word of peace, and a word of leadership for our lives. Make our hearts soft. Plant your word in us that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. <clears throat> what a gift to hear all of these readings today in different languages. Uh, I'm going to do the sermon in English because that's all I've got, but uh, wow, what a, what a great gift this morning. You know, when I think of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is the aspect of God I understand the least. When I was young and just starting out in ministry, one of my colleagues, uh, a mentor of mine, used to talk about the Holy Spirit a lot like this. She would say things about the nudging of the Spirit, the nudging of the Spirit. And <clears throat> excuse me, theologically, uh, that made sense, I guess, but logically, it never quite sat well with me, nudging, as if as if the Spirit of God was somehow maybe weak or timid or, or small. That word nudging, when I think of that word, it makes me think of those moments when your kids are really little and it's about 3 a.m. and you're sound asleep having the best dream and this tiny little hand starts quietly nudging you awake, you know? And, and it's so quiet and so gentle that it, and it has the opposite of intended effect and you actually jump out of bed terrified and the adrenaline's pumping, what's wrong, what's wrong? And you look over and there's this tiny little human that you love dearly who says, Daddy, I'm thirsty. That's what I think of with nudging. I'm not sure that's how the Spirit necessarily works, but how is it that the Spirit works? Well, we hear a couple different uh, ways in our readings this morning. In the gospel, Jesus says, peace be with you. And he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. There's this sense of, of gentleness and that's what they needed in this moment. The, the gospel reading was from Easter uh, evening, and so they, they got the Spirit in a way that was exactly what they needed to hear in that moment. But even so, the peace that Jesus gives is not from a place of weakness, but from a place of strength and resilience. It's, it's a peace that's fueled by a burning passion, not a fading ember. ember. And did you notice why Jesus said, he was giving the Spirit. Just as the Father sent me, I also send you for a purpose. And if we look in the Scriptures uh, in Corinthians, if we read a little bit further, Paul says the Spirit is given so that the church may be built up. Or in Ephesians, the Spirit gives gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And even back into the Old Testament from the beginning, God said to Abram uh, 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 that he was sending away, he said, go from your country and your kindred because I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing to others. So what we see is the Spirit is not given for my personal prosperity. The Spirit is given for God's particular purposes. And now that we've talked a little bit about the why, we can think about that question of how. How does the Spirit come? Is it a gentle breath? Is it nudging? What is it? You know, when I was about 12 years old, I remember there was a drought year that summer, and it was a serious drought. It was one of those summers where the sky was clear and beautiful, blue every day, but there wasn't a drop of rain to be had, and, for, and it was hot, I mean, not like St. Louis hot, not crazy, but it was hot for Iowa. <coughs> Excuse me, allergies. 
But my dad used to say that he would take a drought over a flood anytime because if the crops weren't going to grow, at least the weather was nice and, and a drought didn't cause damage like a flood tended to do. But that's assuming you didn't have two boys at home for the summer armed with two things, curiosity and matches. My brother and I were wondering what would happen if this little flame on this match went near that dry weed over there, and, and it, we were disappointed because it just kind of smoldered a little and a tiny bit of smoke and then nothing else, and then, woof, this big flame, and then it was out. And we're like, well, that was cool. And then the ring around it was kind of all smoldering a little bit and smoking. And we're like, oh, neat. And then it went, woof, and then went out, and then the bigger ring. And about three rings, we were fascinated. And about by the fourth ring, when it was getting wider, we said, oh no, what have we done? And we ran to the house. Dad, we've made a huge mistake. And we got the hoses out and we, and we got out there and we were able to contain uh, that fire before it got to the cornfield, but not before we burnt about a quarter of an acre of grassland on the farm. We got what you might call a stern talking to that day. <clears throat> How does the Holy Spirit work? When I think about the Spirit in the early church, that's the kind of picture that I have in mind. The Spirit is, is fire, it's powerful, it's moving outward, and under the right conditions, it's going to move faster and stronger than you can possibly keep up with. And there was a holy fire burning in Jerusalem that day. Does the Holy Spirit still move in the world like that today? Is this story of Pentecost just about something that happened way back then, or is God still pouring the Spirit out in the church today? I believe the answer is yes, but, but sometimes it can be hard to see. And, and so I think what we can do is we look at the story of Pentecost today and how the Spirit moved then to help us understand how the Spirit might be moving today. So as we dive in, we notice a few things. We noticed that the disciples were all gathered together inside, right? We don't really know exactly what they were doing. Why? Were they praying? Were they waiting? Were they still afraid? We don't know, but what we do know is that they were gathered together on this day of Pentecost, and timing is everything, right? So Pentecost uh, was one of three annual pilgrimage festivals that God had commanded the people to do all the way back through Moses. It was the Harvest Festival, it was a time to come together to rejoice, to give thanks. It was a time to give thanks for what God had done as an act of trust for what God will do. You see that? And, and it's a day when all kinds of people came from all over the world to Jerusalem. It's this day that God chooses to pour out the Spirit in this miraculous way. And it's not a nudge here, is it? It's sudden, it's powerful, it, it's from heaven, it's like the sound of a rushing violent wind that shook the house, it's like a storm after a drought, and it fills the space they're in, and, and it's like these flaming things like fire descend like tongues upon all of them, fill them, and they burst out into the streets, proclaiming God's mighty deeds of power, speaking in a multitude of languages. Now, that's a curious thing. It, we maybe wonder, why were there so many different languages there in Jerusalem that day? I mean, if they're all there as Jewish people worshiping God, why were there so many people from all over? You have to look back a little bit to see that in the history, God's people, the children of Israel, had been through some difficult times for centuries. Centuries ago, their ancestors were exiled, and, and some of them came back, but some of them never came home. 
And maybe they held on to their religion while they were far away, but they got assimilated into those cultures that were forced upon them. And generation after generation, God's people had experienced exile. They'd been conquered and exiled and returned only to be conquered again or occupied. Friends, they had been through some stuff. And so, yeah, they were spread all over the place. And yet on this day, they choose to come to Jerusalem to to worship God, searching for God, searching for that promise, that hope passed down through the generations from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were wondering, is this God still for real? Is this God we hear about in the story still our God? They're asking the same question that maybe we ask today. Is this God still moving in the world? And at the heart of their question, it happens. This miraculous moment, a strange group of Galileans comes out speaking in their own native language, speaking about the salvation of God, about a Savior, Jesus, who died and rose for all people. Now, it's important to pause here and imagine what it must have felt like for them from so far away to hear the Spirit of God speaking in their own native tongue. I mean, how many of them were thinking, I'm not from this place, Jerusalem. I mean, I'm here, but, but I'm an outsider. I want this God of Israel to be my God, but I don't know. I mean, we've been forced from our homeland, from our heritage, and, and I just don't know if this God is, is for me or even cares. And then to hear the apostles speaking in their own native language, it was to hear God saying, I have not forgotten you. In fact, I sent my son into the world to be born and and to be near you. He healed and, and he loved and he proclaimed my kingdom and he gave his life so that you can have life. No, I have not forgotten you. In fact, I am closer than ever. Have you ever felt like maybe God's love is for someone else but not for you? Have you ever felt like you were the outsider looking in at someone else's party? I've had times in my life where I felt like I didn't belong, and I'm guessing I'm not the only one. And maybe it's things in your past, or maybe it's things you're, you're holding on to and struggling with today and thinking, if people really knew this, would they still love me? Would they still welcome me? The Spirit of God, friends, it says in Joel, is poured out on all people, even you, even me. God's mercy knows no bounds. God's grace knows no limits. So whatever you came here today with, whatever you're carrying, whatever past you're battling or struggles you're dealing with now, know that this new life is for you because this is not just a story about then, it's a story about now. This is not just a story about how the Spirit used to work a long time ago, it's a story about how the Spirit wants to work in our lives today, how the Spirit will work, blessing us to be a blessing. They came to Jerusalem searching for God that day. We come here searching for God every Sunday, and God found them, and they experienced the unbelievable. But notice, not all of them. Some of them missed it. Not because God wasn't there, not because they didn't see it, not because they weren't invited. They missed it because when the miracle happened, they explained it away. They sneered and said, ah, they've just been in the wine too much. Uh Uh-uh. And now, uh, now, Peter clears it up in the most obvious and logical way. I love this verse. He says, these men are not drunk, friends. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. It's one of the best verses in the Bible. If he went on, he might have said, you know, if it were five o'clock, it might be a different story, but it's nine o'clock, so it's not possible. But some of them just couldn't see it. 
they wouldn't see it, which is a lesson for us. Don't miss out when the Spirit moves, because the Spirit of God is still at work in our world today, and not just in the business of nudging, but in the business of mountain moving. Do we see it when the Spirit shows up? I've seen it. I mean, I look back on our year. In less than a year, think about this, feed the need uh, through that ministry. Two million meals in less than a year had been packed and sent around the world to feed children who were starving. Do you think that happens without the Spirit of God? I've heard so many stories from many of you about unbelievable moments in your lives, encounters in hospital hallways or waiting rooms when when the Spirit moved and, and shows up and speaks a word to you through someone at just the right moment with just the right thing to say. The Spirit of God is moving in this world, but sometimes we can miss it. So how do we do we see it? Well, I think there are three practical tips the apostles teach us today in this story. They show us three things that they're doing that we can learn from to prepare our hearts, our minds, to receive what God is doing. Because the thing is, the Holy Spirit doesn't schedule appearances according to my calendar. I've learned that, right? And the apostles model for us some simple practices. So the first thing we see is that they, we can put ourselves in proximity to God's activity. You see, they're gathered together in community. They're in prayer. They're in Jerusalem for the festival. So we can learn from that. When we put ourselves in proximity to God's activity, we're more likely to notice what God's up to, whether that's worship or or fellowship or prayer or reading scripture or service. The second thing we see is that they were open and they were ready. Be open and be ready. They were waiting when the Spirit came. They weren't too busy. They, they didn't say, oh, you know what, I've got this soccer match to go to, or I've got this weekend plans maybe next time. No, they were ready. So when God shows up, they could be there. You see, God's going to do what God's going to do. The only question is, will we be a part of it? And the third thing is, simply see it, right? They didn't sneer and try and explain it away or, lo- or logic it away. They didn't say, ah, oh, no, Peter's been in the wine again. No, they were ready and they saw what God was doing. They recognized it for what it was. Friends, this is my last sermon with you for a while as I go off on sabbatical and I want you to know that while I'm away, though, I will be praying for you. I will be praying that this Holy Spirit would continue to move in our world, that the Spirit would fill your lives, that the Spirit would fill this church so that, so that we're ready to move and go wherever God calls next. May the Spirit be with us today. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we give thanks for the power and the movement of your Spirit in our lives, whether it is a gentle word, or a rushing wind. God, help us to have eyes to see, ears to hear. Help us to ready ourselves to respond and notice where you're moving and be a part of what you're doing in the world, Lord. We want to be a part of that. We give you thanks, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.